I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That was Andrew Hawkins, who joined us yesterday here on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, getting his butt kicked by his 11-year-old son on the sticks. Only got him played in the National Football League, but can't beat his son on, on on video games, and he's 11. Already challenging him to a real football game. With Amber Wilson on me and Fitzsimmons, <laughs> we are presented in part by Progressive Insurance. Amber, I'm very lucky that my, my kids don't play video games. I don't know how I got that lucky. They'd rather be outside, you know, doing whatever. Uh, both my girls, they're both athletes, but they never they never got into video games. I, I am so – I was addicted uh, Bill Walsh College Football, 1992, Sega PlayStation added two and a half years of college to my life. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. The money that changed hands at Scott Burchek's apartment. My goodness gracious. I was never a, a video game kind of gal, really. Good, yeah, good for you. And you're like my daughters right there. I yep. mean, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Amber's called me a nerd before for liking video games. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, a, yeah. My my husband's adamant that video games will not be a thing in our house. We'll see how that goes as my kid grows older, but he is adamant. Like that is the one thing there will be no video games in the house. Well, I mentioned college football, so let's get to the latest involving in Michigan. And this story has just become it's like a comedy movie now. I mean, it's it's or a comedy series. Because and we'll get to the serious side in a moment because there's a very serious side to this whole thing and that is potentially Jim Harbaugh being suspended for the second time this season. But Michigan star running back Blake Corum has now been brought into this thing, and we can't make this up. Earlier today, Wyoming state documents were discovered by the Wall Street Journal listing Connor Stallions, some dude named Connor O'Day, and Blake Corum as co-organizers of, quote, BC2 Housing LLC. Now, I've, known, I've gotten to know Blake Corum the last two years. This is as fine of a young man as you are going to come across when it comes to collegiate athletics or in the walk of life. You know, farm boy made good and was raised right. And when he was posed the question by reporters today, if he knew about this, he said, quote, I know exactly what you're talking about. My first time hearing it was when I went out to practice today. First of all, I have no business with 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 stallions. I don't have any business with Connor or anything like that. But I'm glad whomever found it, whoever was searching the web, was able to find that. I owe you. I appreciate you. My attorneys are on it. We'll definitely get that figured out right away and give my get my name taken off, whatever it is. Then he went on. And, and by the way, this whole thing is like an appliance refurbishing business that Connor Stallions was running out of his home. And his HOA gave him an eviction notice because there were dozens of old vacuum cleaners that just showed up on his porch and you're not allowed to run a business out of the apartment complex that he was living in in Ann Arbor. So when Blake Corn was told that, he said, quote, well, that's not something I'm really into. Vacuums aren't my thing. I'm a clean person, but I'm not a cleaner, quote, end quote, Amber. This story keeps evolving in a way that I never dreamed it possibly could. I never thought Blake Corum was going to have to be discussing vacuums with us. Like, that was not on my bingo card. 
Uh, I never needed to know whether he was a cleaner or not. Uh, I'm glad to hear he's a clean person. I'm sure he's telling the truth there. So shout out to him. I I don't, I mean, this is just bizarre. And it's bizarre that his name would be on this LLC with apparently without his knowledge if in fact that's true. I don't know what to make of any of this. Every twist and turn of this scandal makes things even all that more weird with the sign stealing scandal generally, right? Like it makes, it makes everything surrounding Michigan all that stranger. Uh, Without, well, well, I completely agree with you. And Pete, now to the serious side, because again, I'm with you. I, we've gone from videoing an opponent's games in advance scouting, which is illegal by Big Ten and NCAA standards. You know, coaches can try and steal signs during a game. But you cannot advance scout. You can't send someone in advance, which he did allegedly 30 times at 30 games at 12 of the possible 13 Big Ten stadiums and four tickets to games featuring out-of-college, out-of-conference college football playoff contenders, including TCU last year, whom they played in the college football playoff semifinal, TCU beating Michigan. So we've had all of this. We've had him allegedly on in the C on, on the Central Michigan sideline and the coaches area wearing spy glasses. I mean, it, this whole it is truly one thing after another. Now to the serious side, Pete Thamel, ESPN College Football Insider, has now given us the, the insight as to whether the NCAA is or is not investigating other programs because Michigan has said Rutgers, Purdue, Ohio State, they've done some things to us. Here's Pete Thamel. I think there's a distinct line of delineation between the Michigan allegations and then those allegations that emerged in the last 48 hours regarding multiple Big Ten schools. Uh, And it's fairly simple. Multiple sources told me today that the Big Ten has not received word from the NCAA about any other sign-stealing investigation that the NCAA is looking into other than the Michigan one. And at the heart of this matter is that the Michigan scheme, as it's been alleged and laid out in media reports, is a three-year-long, wide-ranging scheme based on multiple allegedly illicit activities. That is, in-person sign stealing of, at opponents' games and electronic signal stealing. The, as alleged to the multiple Big Ten schools, it, it's been more looked at within Big Ten and NCAA circles as coaches talking to each other on Sundays and asking what the other teams did. So uh, there's obviously been a lot made of it, Al. I don't think it will amount to any. That, that's Pete Thamel on with Al Duncan on the 6 o'clock Sports Center. Amber, your reaction? Uh, yeah, it sounds like two very different scenarios and, and very different allegations. I don't know if either of them are, are necessarily great for the game of football, right? Like, if we don't know if sharing the information about the signs amongst schools, if that's even a violation of the rules. So I don't even know how to feel about it if we don't have any clarity on where the rules sit when it comes to that. What I do know is a violation of the rules is the electronic sign stealing, right? The in-person, and the advanced the scouting, it, the advanced scouting, the taking at that an extra next step where all these programs do seem to do some of this which is where we first started, as you mentioned, with this entire story with Michigan, where at first it seemed like, ah, okay, well, you know, everybody does. That. Everybody goes five over the speed limit. And then it started to get stranger and also be more obvious that there is an apparent or alleged violation here of the actual rules. And it's not just like a little ho-hum, everybody does it sort of thing. So I would imagine that within the next 48 hours, we'll get some sort of disciplinary action from the Big Ten. I would imagine it's going to be focused on Jim Harbaugh. I think the question here 
is when is it going to come? Not just when the suspension is going to come down, but when is it going to actually be instituted? Meaning, is it going to be now effective immediately? You're suspended for a couple games or a few games. Is it going to be delayed towards the end of the season? What does it mean for a team that looks poised to win a national title? At least contend for one. Uh, I think they're the most talented team with every NFL scout I've talked to in, in college football. Whether the best team or not, uh, that, that is, remains to be seen. And they had their first true test this weekend in Happy Valley against Penn State as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on ESPN bet. I love Michigan in this spot, by the way. Bet to your hands, bleed. I've already taken it. I bought it down to three. I love Michigan in, in, in this particular game because they're coming in playing that villain role as their All-American guard, Zach Zinter, talked about. You want us to play the villain? We'll play the villain because every now and then the villain takes down the superhero. Uh, so they're embracing that part of it. But when it comes to you know the the aspect of his apples to apples with Ohio State and Rutgers allegedly giving you know Purdue th- what what their coaches saw when it comes to signals about Michigan, a lot of people are saying that's the same exact thing as Michigan did. What, what's the difference? Well, I'll tell you the difference. Imagine you have a test in first period. And Amber, I run into you, you're a good friend of mine, and, and I run into you in the hallway in third period. And you go, hey, how, how was the test? I went, hey, man, question five is this, question six is this. You might want to study up before you, before you get in there in two periods if you're not on it yet. That, to me, is what Rutgers, Purdue, and Ohio State did. What Michigan did is break into the damn teacher's lounge, steal the test, right, and already know all the answers before they even took the damn thing. That's the, that's the best way I can, I, I can put it in layman's terms. That's the way I view it. Have the crib sheet, right? Like we all, yes. Or the fraternity house that had all the tests in a filing oh, cabinet, golly. right? I, that drove me nuts at Florida because I wasn't in a sort. I wasn't a great life girl. Oh my God. That drove me crazy. I cannot tell you how many classes I had that it was very obvious that the sororities and fraternities on campus had entire files of these term papers yep. that the rest of us were schlepping right 10, hey, 20, 30-page term papers, and they just had stacks of them. It. They had files deep. That is Ohio State, Rutgers, and and and, and, uh, and Purdue. Right. Michigan, they stole the damn test. By the way, why didn't anybody tell me that Greek life <laughs> you need to turn it loose. would pay off <laughs> academically? I would have put a lot more effort into sorority rush. I didn't know. Right, I, I, I'm sorry to bring that up in that, in that particular analogy, Golly. but I, I apologize. We've, we've, we've uncovered a deep so wound that is not healed yet for Miss Wilson, going back to her days with the mighty Gators. Uh, but I, I also firmly believe that Jim Harbaugh is going to be suspended. And anybody saying that you know the Michigan team should be banned from the postseason if they were to, able to be able to make an R ranked in the top four, why would you want to punish the players? The players didn't do this. The coaches did. You suspend Harbaugh. You don't punish the players. The players are innocent. If there's anybody that's guilty in these alleged sign-stealing scandal, it's the head coach, and that's where the buck should stop. And I don't think it should be a two-game suspension. I think he should be done for the rest of the year if the evidence is as overwhelming as we believe it truly is. By the way, I think that there's ways now to combat that whole thing where the teachers, they can scan in the papers, and so then they have software, and they can, when they get papers, they can check them. (laughs) You and I are dating ourselves a little bit. There's ways now to sort through some of the plagiarism. We were animal health, digging through the trash like Bluto Blutarski, right? (laughs) I mean, that that was us going through trash bins trying to steal the damn test. 
presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Coming up, when you return, you might be surprised who we believe is the best team in the NFL right here on ESPN Radio. Celebrating Veterans Day with Jimbo Fisher on ESPN Radio. I'd like to give a special thank you and shout out to the, all the veterans in this world uh, coming up with Veterans Day. Thank you so much for what you do and the freedoms you provide for us and what you put on the line for all of us folks to be able to do what we do. Thank you very much. ESPN Radio celebrating America's heroes on Veterans Day. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Todd Monkins leads the two-time defending champs, the Georgia Bulldogs, to go be the offensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens. Leaves football Valhalla on the college level. And I'm going, man, are you sure you want to do this? And Lord, has it been a fit. With Amber Wilson, who's having a little technical issues, I understand I might be also a little bit here on ESPN Radio on me and Fitzsimmons. Thanks for spending part of your evening with us. Jamison Hensley covers the Baltimore Ravens day in, day out for us here on ESPN's NFL Nation. Jamison, thanks for your time tonight. Um, Todd Monken in this offense with Lamar Jackson, it is now starting to click. Explain what you've seen and in talking to players, the biggest difference from September to where we are right now in the holiday season. Yeah, I mean, it really, it, it, honestly, it, I would even go a little bit further. I know it's starting to click now, but the kind of foundation was laid back in training camp where Munkin just impressed everybody, not only with his passion. I mean, you, you go out on the practice field, you know where Todd Munkin is because yep. he, is, he is yelling at the top of his lungs. And the other part is he is so detail-oriented. When wide receivers in the summer were, they, they were told to run a 12-yard out route, if they went 14 yards and out, they had to run it over again. He wanted it precise, and I think that, that, that's the foundation that was laid, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, they're relying a lot more on the run, I think, than anybody expected, but you look at Lamar Jackson, you look at his completion percentage, it's 71.5%, it's the highest in the NFL, and his interceptions are so low. Uh, I think that shows that a quarterback that is very comfortable in his system right now. Can it even take another step forward? Yeah, I, I think they can. I mean, I think what we're looking at right now is he's still trying to feel out kind of where this thing can go and kind of, okay, we, we kind of got a base for, for Lamar now. 
he's very good with the short to intermediate routes. I think for the next step for this offense, uh, if you saw, and it, it, it's kind of you're nitpicking when a team beats uh, uh, you know the Seattle Seahawks by 37 to three. Uh, but there are a couple of passes deep to Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman got behind the defense, and Lamar missed him. And I think those two passes just really bothered Lamar, especially after the game. I think that's where the next step for this offense is to get the big plays in the offense more consistent. Jamison Hensley covers the Baltimore Ravens for us on ESPN's NFL Nation, joining us here on ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson on me and Fitzsimmons. We are presented in part by Progressive Insurance. Go to the other side of the ball. I mean, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, we can go on down the list of guys. I mean, they, they are just bludgeoning opponents right now. When you, when you talk to your comrades around the league, what do they say about this Baltimore Ravens defense? Yeah, and it's, it's kind of a, a, a defense. Yeah, you, I mean, you have a Roquan Smith, and, and you have you know, Patrick Queen on the other inside, and, and Justin Matabike uh, on the inter- interior of this defensive line. But, I mean, when you look at the great defenses for the Ravens back in 2000, 2006, uh, they had some Hall of Fame players on that. Uh, you know, Roquan could eventually become one of those, but you don't know a, a surefire Hall of Fame of, of, of what these guys are doing. And it, it, a lot goes back to defense coordinator Mike McDonald, where he is really putting these offenses on their heels because he is attacking at every different angle. The, the Ravens, they pride themselves on getting to the quarterback, and, and they love the fact that they lead the league with 35 sacks but they also take a lot of pride in the fact that they also lead the league and that 13 players have at least one sack on this team, which means they are they're coming from all different angles. And I think when talking to a lot of other like my reporters from around the league, uh, I think that's where going and trying to prepare for this, this Ravens defense, you just don't know where that pressure is coming from. A lot of times they will line up seven guys right on that line of scrimmage you just don't know if they're sending four, five, who's dropping back. It creates a lot of confusion for the offense. You know what's comical to me is that you had you heard some, maybe it was a vocal minority of Baltimore Ravens fans going back to 21 and even last season going, well, is, is it time for a change with John Harbaugh? And it, right. here they are yet again, right, just rocking and rolling along on top of the toughest division in the NFL. How would you sum up John Harbaugh? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a coach, and I mean, he, he's been here for a while now, uh, but I think he would acknowledge that he has changed over the years, where uh, when he started in 2008, he kind of felt like he had to change the culture a little bit, and he was real strict, almost very much of a disciplinarian. Now, he is listening to his players, he is constantly talking to them, he's asking them how do they want to you know, structure practices these days, um, he's much more interactive with his players and much more of a player coach right now. And I think for any coach that has lasted this long, one, you have to win, obviously, and two, you have to get to the playoffs a lot, uh, but three, uh, you have to adapt. And I think that's what we've seen out of John Harbaugh over the years. And, I mean, he just has a, such a strong relationship with all of his players right now. And uh, he, he, he's had a lot of different coordinators, a lot of different players, a lot of different leaders uh, going from you know, when he started with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. Uh, and now you have seen just kind of just the evolution of not only the defense and the, the different style of play of the offense. He just, again, he has just adapted from year one to re, you know, right now. 
Jameson, I, I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I think Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. Could Baltimore, in your opinion, also be the best team overall in the NFL here at the midway point? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, the, the left tackle Ronnie Stanley told me last week that he, you know everyone in that locker room feels like they should be undefeated. Uh, they, they're the only team in the NFL that has had a lead entering the fourth quarter of every single game this year. Uh, they kind of stubbed their toe a little bit against the Colts and the, and the Steelers, uh, but they, they feel like uh, not only are they they're the best team, they're the most dominant team. And you look uh, of what they have done to the likes of Seattle, Detroit, I mean, teams that were leading their division, uh, and they just absolutely destroyed them. And I think uh, they take a lot of pride in the fact that not only do they beat teams, uh, but they're not even making it close uh, right now. They, they know they have a tough stretch coming up. Uh, two games in the division in five days, uh, hosting Cleveland and then uh, Cincinnati next Thursday night. Uh, and if they do that, if they, if they can take care of business and beat Cleveland and Cincinnati, uh, they will strengthen that hold on first place in the AFC North. Jameis, we always enjoy the time. Thank you so much for the insight. We'll talk to you soon. Be well. Thank you, Ian. Have a good rest of your show. Thank you. You too, man. Jameson Hensley, ESPN, NFL Nation, covers the Baltimore Ravens, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Uh, I think Baltimore, that's, that's one of those teams, they just don't want to beat you. They want to embarrass you and have you call your mama. I mean, they are they are that dominant right now, and, and they are fun to watch. All right, coming up next, we segue into week 11 of the college football season. If you're a wagerer, you like to put a couple chicklets on a ball game, you might want to pay attention to our next college football insider as we get you ready for week 11 of another remarkable college football slate right here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Coming up in week 11 in the college football slate. Man, we hope it lives up to week 10 because that was the best Saturday of the year in college football. From the morning window to middays to the evening with Washington and USC, the game I had here on ESPN Radio, it was absolutely outstanding and a man is always right in the middle of it he watches more film than anybody i know is cole kublik former auburn center sec network one of our outstanding college football analysts he joins us every week here on espn radio to get you look back on the previous week and look ahead to the next week and we've got top 25 matchup after top 25 matchup yet again coming up on saturday cole always appreciate the time let's start with the college football playoff rankings um, did you have a problem with uh, – let's just go with the top eight of what the committee threw at us last night. The top eight were unchanged. What would you think? 
Uh, yeah, the same problem that I had the week before is that I don't think Ohio State's the best team in America. Other than that, um, nothing too major. Um, I, I do think that, you know, kind of like what McElroy was saying last night, I'm, I'm, I'm on a similar page. If, if you're going to put teams that high and the majority of the reason you're going to put them there is because of their resume, then you need to be consistent with other teams and their resumes. I think Texas has a better resume than Oregon, and I think the eye test is very similar. Um, I think also, and I don't know why nobody has really made any sort of discussion about this, but if Ohio State is that much stronger because of resume, uh, I think Florida State's a team that, based on eye tests, is not too far off of Washington, Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, uh, Oregon, Texas, Bama. Look at that resume that they have. I mean, they won on the road at Clemson. They beat LSU to open the season. Boston College is a good win. Um, nobody talked about Florida State, though, and where they are. Um, I think if you're talking eye tests, uh, I think Michigan and Georgia are the two best teams in America if you wanted to reward one a little bit more than the other because of their resume or if you leaned one because of a little extra physicality or a little bit more balance or a little bit more top-end athleticism, whatever it was, I'd be fine with it. But I would have both of those teams ahead of Ohio State. Uh, you and I served on, on the mock college football playoff committee together a few years ago. If, if you could, could go ahead, and there were some heated arguments. I mean, it does get heated in that room, and ours wasn't even real. Uh, but if you could choose one thing to stand on that table and go, guys, this is wrong, this is the way it should be, what would it be? Ohio State not number one, or maybe having Texas at six, Alabama at seven, and Oregon at eight. Which one would you go fight for the most? I think the best part about the mock uh, committee that you and I served on was we were arguing like 18 and 19 and, and why they shouldn't be there. And like we were just furious that somebody couldn't get past that somebody lost to an unranked team at home and nobody was paying any attention to it. Um, That's right. You know, I, I, for me, it would, it would be plain and simple that Ohio State is not a better football team than Georgia and they're not a better football team than Michigan, in my opinion. And I would be willing to listen to arguments about Florida State and Washington um, where they went at number one two weeks ago, that resume doesn't look quite as good now as it did then. Um, and then I think, too, you, you, there are certain teams that have similar resumes or are similar in the eye test that are kind of being pushed to the side. Personally, uh, would I have Texas ahead of Oregon? Uh, I probably would, but I'm not mad at it because I think Oregon's a really good football team. I think they have one of the better quarterbacks in college football. I love their front seven. I love their center. Uh, they got good athleticism on the perimeter, so it's it's not like there's a lot to not like about them. Some of this is flavor of the week, some of this is style, but I would probably be fighting hardest for the fact that I did not think Ohio State deserved to be number one. And here's the other part about that, Ian. I love fluidity. I love if a team falls on their face or a team looks a lot better than we thought they would against a different opponent, that move them up to number one or drop them out from one to three. It's just, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not only I'm two you. weeks in, but yeah. I'm getting a little bit of the AP poll feel here from the yep. college football playoff committee, and I don't want that. I never want that. I want you to be able to be wowed by a team. I want a team to be able to win you over because this is ongoing. It's not set in stone. And because a team gets ranked one or four or 11 or two, they shouldn't stay there just because they keep winning their games. It should be collective, and that should include what happens week to week. And there's a little bit of feeling of that right now, and I'm, I'm hoping that that doesn't stay. Man, Cole, we are in step on that one yet again. So let's talk about one of those games that, to your point, Michigan State's at Ohio State this weekend. Ole Miss, ranked ninth in the committee's eyes, is at number two, Georgia. Georgia is a huge favorite in this game by ESPN. Bet 10.5-point favorite. 
if Georgia were to chicken kick Ole Miss, right? Is that one of those games you're talking about? Like live in the moment. And then, by the way, you know these two teams well. What kind of game are you expecting to see between the hedges on Saturday night on ESPN and right here on ESPN Radio? Well, I'm going to rewind a week first, Ian. I'm just going to tell you this right now, that I, I don't believe that Georgia is getting enough credit for beating Missouri. If anything, I think some people are discrediting that win because Georgia didn't handle them the way that they had handled the majority of the teams on their schedule. But I'm here to tell you, uh, this Missouri team can get after you. They are physical. They are a group that does not mess around as far as the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think Armand Mimbu at right tackle is one of the most underrated offensive linemen in college football. Uh, They run the stretch play as well as anybody. Uh, Cameron Johnson at right guard has been great. Javon Foster is going to be an NFL draft pick at left tackle. Cody Schrader has a great feel for that zone scheme. They got guys that you can't handle on the perimeter. Keep in mind, Luther Burton got dinged up in that game. Uh, a, a receiver that no one has been able to match up with this year. Theo Weiss and Mookie Cooper can be a problem. And then on defense, they can flat out be an issue up front. Uh, Johnny Walker off the edge, Darius Robinson off the edge, Tyron Hopper's great at linebacker. I just – I don't think enough people are looking at that Georgia win and saying, man, that's, that's still a pretty good win. I think they're looking at it and saying, oh, that's Missouri. Uh, they don't get enough credit for that. Now, moving on to this one next week, I think it's the same thing. Even though Ole Miss can be ranked a little bit higher, this is a very dangerous football team. Jackson Dart playing great football. I think Quinshawn Judkins is the best running back in college football. He hasn't gotten the same kind of opportunities this year because of more quarterback run, because of Ulysses Bentley, because he was a little bit dinged up in the Tulane game. Uh, but Trey Harris, the Louisiana Tech transfer at wide receiver, has been everything. One-handed catches, 50-50 balls going up over guys, running by guys, making people miss, breaking tackles. He is unbelievable. And then you got a guy like Dayton Wade that's a mismatch on the opposite side of him. But the key to Ole Miss has been Caden Priestcorn, the Memphis transfer at tight end. And if you go ask Jeff Levy, if you ask Lane Kiffin, Charlie Weiss Jr., if you ask Kendall Bryles, a lot of these guys will tell you the thing that unlocks their offense is having that versatile tight end that can stretch the middle of the field, that can add some physicality in the run game because that's where they can mix them and match them, move them, motion, insert them, play them out wide. They do so many different things that help the way that they operate. That's when that offense takes a giant leap forward, and Caden Priestcorn has allowed that offense to do that. So they're a handful. They can go tempo. They're going to move guys. They're going to find matchups. They got a quarterback that they can add to the run game, which is going to give them an extra blocker and an extra gap to defend. The other side of the ball is better. Uh, this is this is probably a more physical, capable, physically capable Ole Miss defense than any I've seen in the last I don't know six eight years. Probably since Kim Dietz was there, and he basically won that game in Tuscaloosa and doesn't get the credit he deserves for what he did that night. Uh, Pete Golding has made it different by structure. They're a little better that way, but. They're a little better off the edge. They're a little better inside defensively. Josh Harris, J.J. Pegues can get after you. But I, I think Ole Miss has, has a chance to be scary, to be dangerous in this game. But I'll say this, if Georgia gets it, that's two really good wins back-to-back. And if they beat Ole Miss, there is no reason they shouldn't be the number one team in America. Yeah, I don't disagree. He's an outstanding college football analyst from our Auburn Center. Cole Kublik joins us every week here on ESPN Radio. You can follow him at Cole Kublik. What do you make of Michigan at Penn State? I think Michigan, after he listened to Zach Zinter, their All-American guard, and that dude, man, he just he doesn't want to hit you. He wants to hurt you. When he said, hey, you want, we're, if we're the villain, we'll play the role of the villain, and every now and then the villain <laughs> whips up on the super, a superhero, I think Michigan's going into Penn State hell-bent. I already laid the three-and-a-half uh, by ESPN bet, bought it down to three. I think Michigan rolls Penn State. How do you see this one playing out? 
well, the whole the whole villain role, the whole world, us against the world. I mean, hell, that started before the season when their head coach got suspended. I mean, that's they've been living that life, so this is nothing new to them. Now, you want to keep you know dousing gasoline on that fire? Then yep. good for them. They'll they'll utilize it. I'm going to make this one very simple for you. It's going to be tough to go there and win. We know what that place can be. Um, early early kick, though, I do think favors the road team a little bit, or at least it doesn't make it their advantage, but it takes away a lot of the advantage that usually is later in that That alcohol that won't be consumed like a night game. It's a little different. Yep. Here's I'll make this one really easy for you, Ian. Um, everybody's talking about that Penn State front and they're athletic, and they can move, and they can be problematic, and is Michigan going to be able to run the ball on them? You know, are they going to be able to get after the quarterback and they protect? And that might be a problem. It might. Nobody's talking about what the Michigan defense can potentially do to Penn State's offense. And I'll ask you a quick question. Do you know has the number one total defense in America right now? That's Michigan, man. They've outscored their opponents. The Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, you know so they've outscored their opponents. I don't understand why nobody is having a conversation about the capabilities of Michigan's defense against the Penn State offense. And, yes, Drew Aller was great last week. He has done some great things this season. Um, but I'm not putting him at season's vet status just yet, facing against a front like that. And that's where I think a massive advantage could show up for Michigan in this game. Michigan has outscored their last five opponents 239-47. to 47. Is that any good? It's great. <laughs> it's, it's and that's stupid. the one thing about the Michigan ranking. Like their their schedule is not difficult, Ian. It's not. Yep. But when you bludgeon people to the extent that they have, you have to move past it mentally just a little bit. You have to say, okay, I understand they don't have a lot of top twenty five wins here, but look how they've been doing this. And I'm not trying to go Bobby Bowden late nineties where we need to put a hundred on everybody to try to move up in the AP poll. But I'm just saying when you handle teams the way that they have both on the scoreboard and physically when you watch it, you must take that into consideration. You must crack that door a little bit and at least allow for that de- that part of the debate to be heard when you're ranking a team like Michigan. Like I said, Georgia or Michigan, coin flip. I would have no problem with either one of those teams being number one. But if Georgia goes back-to-back weeks being really good Missouri and Ole Miss teams, there is zero question in my mind that they should be the number one team in America. What do you make of the whole sign stealing now where we've got, you know, Michigan saying, oh, Rutgers in Ohio State, we're giving our signals to Pitt to, to Purdue before the Big Ten championship game last year. I looked at that like, Cole, I mentioned this earlier. I ran into you in third period. I had a math test in first period. I told you, question five and six, man, you might want to study up on those bad boys because guess what? It's going to give you hell in the next two periods. So you might want to, you know, crack a book really quickly and, and get after those where Michigan – broke into the teacher's office, stole the test, and had all the answers. What do you think? I'd probably be better friends with Michigan than you in high school. Hold on a minute. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know where that's coming from. But go ahead. Continue. I would, I would probably be better friends with Michigan in high school than I would be with you um, if that's how they were operating. And that's what they, that's what they had the capabilities to go get. Uh, my main thing with this, Ian, is just I wish it was happening in July and because this will be a great off-season topic and so much fun to talk about then. But with actual football to talk about, it's a little bit annoying that this keeps coming up every day. It is wild. It's crazy. It's insane. Um, it's, it's definitely a bit much. Every coach I've talked to about it has been like, hey, man, this happens in-game. If you get our stuff in-game, good for you. But to go to this extent and to do these things and use that technology, it's a bit much, man. Like, it's it, it's a little over the top. Now I feel the same way. My brother, uh, safe travels. Where are you this weekend? 
I will be in uh, your old stomping grounds, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, Paul Reigns for lunch, Rafino's for dinner. Go get it, man. Hit it. Where can they catch you on Mondays, man? SEC Network, you and Roman Harper. Yeah, we'll be breaking down uh, all the SEC games every Monday night. Read and react, 7 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network. We're diving into the film. We're breaking down plays, showing you the hows and whys. It's a lot of fun. We, uh, we hope you come join us. Come on with it, man. It's a phenomenal show you guys really get after. Cole, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week, brother. Thank you, Ian. Enjoyed it. All right, man. Cole Kubrick joining us here on ESPN Radio, getting you ready for Week 11 and another outstanding college football slate. Coming up next in closing ceremonies, I, I got an issue I got to handle with my kids, and I might need some advice right here on ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I need a little advice when it comes to uh, some parenting issues. Phone lines are always open at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. You're on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. James Steele producing. Ryan Matlock also keeping me out of the ditch tonight. Uh, Amber Wilson had some technical difficulties. We said, hey, hit showers. Take the night off. You're good to go. Go play with uh, Colin, the little four-year-old. Take the rest of the evening off. You're good. Heck, I haven't had a great technical night myself here, but uh, hopefully we power through here and we're good to go. Now, before we get to Parenting 101, this is more like parenting, you know, ad- ad- advanced level AP course, actually. Final thought on, on the latest involving Michigan. I do believe that Jim Harbaugh at some point is going to be suspended by the Big Ten Conference. And I don't mean just the minimum that Tony Petitti Big, uh, Big Ten commissioner can invoke, and that's a two-game suspension, $10,000. That's the max he can do. He can appeal to the Joint Executive Committee, which is made up of board members uh, from conference in, you know, institutions and the Big Ten, and they can implement whatever suspension they want to through the Big Ten championship game, so on and so forth. I do believe that is coming. But I also believe that anybody saying that the, the Michigan Wolverines should be banned from postseason play why would you want to punish the players? The players didn't do anything. Blake Corum didn't do anything. You know, I mean, J.J. McCarthy hadn't done a damn thing. Zach Zinter hasn't done anything. All they did is go out and steamroll everybody they, that you put in front of them. Again, if you're just tuning in, their last five opponents, they have tuned up to the, to the sound of 239 points for, only 47 against. J.J. McCarthy wasn't sending Connor Stallions to – you know, the Central Michigan sidelines to, to get to try and steal with spyglasses, allegedly. Michigan State signals. He didn't do that. That coach did that, allegedly. But why, So why punish the players when the players had nothing to do with it? Absolutely zero. 
And those that are saying, and I disagree with this also, that are saying that, well, Rutgers and Ohio State helped Purdue in the Big Ten title game by sharing the signals they got when they played Michigan with Purdue. I give you the example that I, that I mentioned earlier if you are just tuning in. That's like me going to James Steele or Ryan Matlack, and I had a math test in first period. And I said, boy, they have, a, they have the same test in the fourth period after lunch. And I say, boys, questions five, six, and seven, here they are. You might want to study up because they're a peach. That's, to me, what Rutgers and Ohio State did. Forewarned, forearmed. What Michigan did, allegedly, is roll into the teacher's lounge, crack open the teacher's safe, steal the test, get all the answers, and bam, then rolled everybody. Before this alleged sign-stealing scandal with Connor Stallions, do you know what Michigan's record was in the Big Ten the previous three years? Anybody? Matt Lack, James, anyone? 14-6 and six in Big Ten play. You know what it's been since they allegedly started stealing signs in the Big Ten play? 22-1. and one. That seems good. A little bit of a difference? I'd bit. say so. All right, now to Parenting 101. My All kids right. have no idea what's coming in the next seven minutes. We didn't have, uh, you know, kids don't understand. Or was it parents don't understand by Will Smith? So this is the best I can come up with. I'm a boss. I like so, it. Go ahead, boss. So around this house, my kids are 17 and 15. It seems like my wife is on a constant loop of doing laundry. And then in the kitchen, that's my domain where I'm constantly doing dishes. And my girls just walk by. And for breakfast, they'll, they'll have a bowl of cereal or we'll make them you know, some biscuits and bacon and eggs. And they'll eat and they leave their plate and bowl right there on the counter. It doesn't even make it to the sink much less the dishwasher. There's been a breaking point with mom and dad Fitz here in the Fitzsimmons Casa. Now, it all came to a head earlier today. My wife and I had a breaking point. When, I, when we sign off here and get ready for game night with Q Myers and company, there's going to be a little chat with the kiddos. And we have been working on a punishment to slap down on said children. I said we take their phones away. I thought that was a good one. I got zapped. Instead, my wife came up with this, and we're going to go around the horn and see what you guys think. She said, I'm not doing their laundry anymore. They're going to learn how to do it. They're going to start doing it. They leave a dish on the counter, and we put it in their bed. Or just let it pile up as long as we can tolerate it, and then they have to clean up that natural disaster that they created. Let's go around the horn. James, what do you think? Cell phones or have them actually start doing the work? Yeah, there's no worse punishment than having to do your own laundry. So that's it. Like making them do their own laundry. Like I have, we have, uh, Lisa and I have three kids, eight, six, four. We've been doing laundry for like eight Non-stop. and a half straight years. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm with you. 17, when it, when the moment the, the oldest was born, it's been a 17-year loop. Yeah. So you're there's going like short. Worn, there's Do a your worn own work. path down the stairs and back up because we're carrying laundry down there every day to do, I don't know. I don't even know how, uh, how there are so many clothes. They only they should only be wearing one pair of clothes a day. <laughs> just, there's so many of us now. Why are we like changing us. underwear up in here? I mean, let's just wear the same britches. <laughs> Matlack, what do you think? Sells or... Do their own work. Oh, yeah. No, uh, unsurprisingly, I am with your wife on this one. It's time for a work-study job for the girls. It's time for them to get in the trenches and figure out white, you know, separating darks from whites and all that good business. 
I think this is uh, let's put it this way, Ian. If there was something that I my parents wanted me to do, making me do it was the only way it was ever going to happen. If, if once it was in my yep. hands, that's when all of a sudden you have to actually be responsible, which I'm not. That's what's about to go down here in about oh thirty five seconds. Get ready. I kind of want to. I wish we this was like a spectator. Is this pay per view? Can we uh, can we walk? <laughs> put it on YouTube. Because this could have not be yelling and screaming. It's going to be worse. It's going to be that damn it, I'm sincere voice. Will there be tears? I'll let you know tomorrow.